Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is podcast number 99, just before mm -hmm. number 100. But we have a lot to reveal, lots to talk about. We're dropping some huge yeah. bombs on this podcast and excited to have you with us. We've got a lot of Definitely. stuff to talk about up front and then uh, jumping into a $5,000 car question since people keep asking yes. us about this. Yes, definitely. About should I? What's should the I best $5,000 car, which is going to be a great discussion point. I do, want to, I do want to reiterate, this is Podcast 99. There are many of you that are really, really excited about Podcast <laughs> number 100 when it's everything but car questions, and you're already sending them in. Um, hang on just a minute. That'll <laughs> We're be worried. The You're first... excited. Exactly. We're worried. <laughs> exactly. That'll be the first podcast of next week. This one's coming out Friday. That podcast will be for Tuesday. So think about uh, Monday evening. Those questions will be asked for. And like Paul said, we're a little bit, uh, yeah, uh, a little bit concerned. But at the same time, we have put it out there. So we're going to answer non-car questions early next week. But here on this 99th, we have, my gosh, we've got a lot to do. Yeah, we do. I think you should reveal the new tab on the everydaydriver.com and uh, talk okay. about the first thing. And I'll talk about the second thing. How about that? So Great. I say Great. go That's for it. That's a perfect plan. Perfect plan. Uh, if you go to our website, everydaydriver.com, you'll see there's there's always been a lot of tabs there. Uh, what they've always been is our homepage, of course, which kind of gives you an overview. That is the hub to find anything we do. We also have a separate tab for how to find our films. The YouTube channel, of course, this podcast. We do a lot of writings and articles. That's on there and more about the show. But we have added a brand new one there that's called Adventures. This is something we've been working on since the pilgrimage film uh, debuted. We had a few people come up to us with some ideas, and we have been working on it since then, so nearly six months now, and we are going to be doing adventures with you guys. I mean, the, the premise of this is essentially we want to do fun car experiences. We want to invite, invite you along. Now, all of these will cost you money. I will acknowledge that yes. because we don't have some some bottomless pit of cash to just fund the whole thing, but in every case, what we will be doing, and we have two already launched launched on the website right now, what we will be doing is getting a discounted adventure for you, and they'll be at all kinds of levels, and we want you to come take that adventure with us at a discounted rate than if you went and chased it down yourself, uh, extra access, all that kind of thing. And our first one, the one that was the impetus for this idea, is called the Pilgrimage Adventure. It is essentially come with us and do what we did on the film, but, but I will say this, do it better because yeah. when we did the film, we didn't get to do a road tour of a bunch of cars that's included in this pilgrimage adventure and our two track days at spa and at Nürburgring while awesome in the film, they were kind of public track days. Yeah. Forget yeah. that. We're taking you on essentially lockdown private track days. So none of this Touristenfahrten madness of traffic on the Nord, uh, Nordschleife, uh, the Nordschleife on, in Nürburgring. None of that. No, no, no. This is a private during business hours track day we are doing with you. We're very excited. I will acknowledge <clears throat> I should acknowledge this, shouldn't I, Paul? <laughs> yes, this you is, should. This is, not, this, is, this is not a cheap trip. No. I, I have to acknowledge it's not a cheap trip. But it wouldn't be a cheap trip. I mean, we're taking you to Germany and Belgium, driving on spa, driving on the ring. This is late September. You can see all the information on the site. Uh, and, yeah, it's not it's not cheap. But, you know, you and I were just talking about the fact. We did this uh, Ford Racing School uh, just this week. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And that's a one-day race school in Mustangs, and it's like $1,500, $1,600 right. for one day. For one day. Right. If you take a three- or four-day track school – at anywhere, Bondurant, Ford, doesn't really matter. Just pick one. It will be more expensive than us taking you to Germany and Belgium. And we're doing room and board and everything. So please go look at that tab. We're only taking 12 people. We did a soft open of a few people that are already interested. We've already got a couple slots filled. So I'm putting that out there. End of September, Pilgrimage Adventure. It's on the website. This is huge. We've been talking about this for a long time. We've alluded to it. You might have... Uh... You know, caught wind in some earlier podcasts of things we're working on for 2016, and this is the big one. Mm -hmm. This is the the big enchilada. We would love to bring you on the pilgrimage trip with us and do just what Todd described. 
we're really excited to share this with you. But if you keep scrolling down on that Adventures tab, keep scrolling, mm-hmm. and you yep. will find that we're also announcing at the same time a U.S. Chicago Track Day and Meetup. Now, we have mm-hmm. worked hard on this as well. This is something that has been requested also by a lot of you, a lot of listeners, a lot of fans of the show, to get your car on track, to receive instruction if you'd like, and just get out there and do some fun driving with whatever kind of car you've got. Mm-hmm. So yep. The, yep. all the details are announced there as well. This is being held at Autobahn Country Club, which is just outside Chicago. And this is also being held in conjunction with our friend Sean Young, he is uh, he runs lapsincorporated.com. So go to Laps Incorporated, and this is how to sign up. More details on uh, on the Everyday Driver Adventures page. Yeah. But through Sean, you can follow right from the page. Yeah. Yes, through Sean, we are working with him, and he has been incredibly helpful and generous because he's got a lot of the infrastructure already set up. I mean, things that we didn't have mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to go do. I mean, he's got the car inspection. Uh, the track reservation, everything locked down. And the date for this is Monday, August 22nd, 2016. And there's a few reasons this is Monday. We're hoping it works for your schedule. Hopefully it allows you to still, you know, be with families and do your thing over the weekend. But maybe it's easier for you guys to get a day off from work on a Monday and just take a personal day and come be with us on Monday. Come play hooky, drive your car fast. Yes. And, and, uh, and it's going to be it's, it's going to be, be awesome. a large thing. We're going to do you know we're going to have as many of you as can come and and actually to fill the roster and there is actually a cap on it. But as many of you as can come and actually drive your car and please, we are absolutely calling out to you if you have not been on a track before. This is why this event exists. We want you to bring your car. A few of you have written to us when we've teased this and said, "Hey, I'd come, and I've never been on a track. Please come. Yes. Please sign up for this. Yes. This has got a discount." Thanks to Laps Incorporated, we have a discount for you, the Everyday Driver listener. That discount code is on the site. You can come for a full day, and it's the full track. It's another reason it's Monday. This whole Autobahn Country Club will be ours. And play hooky. Have a, have a dad's <laughs> day. Come bring your car. Seriously. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, this is your chance. So those are two huge bombs that we've just dropped. But we will keep going here because we've got a lot more information for you. And uh, that is, well, I'll start with the Autoblog podcast. Uh, Dan Roth Mm. over at Autoblog generously invited us to join him. And so just this week, we recorded with him releasing for Next. And we had a great Mm -hmm. time with him. Dan's a great guy. It was really fun to get to know him over the podcast and just, you know, kind of hang out together and talk about cars and and uh, it was just a lot of fun. So we were hosts, or we were guests on his, and we're looking forward to hosting yeah. him on ours sometime Definitely. in the near future. So check that out. It Definitely. should be, I don't know what number that will be from uh No idea, but it's supposed to be sometime next week. Yeah, we'll call that out. sometime next week. We'll mention it on our Twitter and our Facebook feed to get you listening over there if you don't already listen to the Autoblog podcast. And Dan tried really hard to stump us. We were most of the way <laughs> through the podcast, and without any warning, he threw his own personal car debate at us, and we on the spot went, um, let's see if we can solve that. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fun one. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it back. Yeah, this is going to be pretty fun, and uh, it'll be fun to have him on as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's just fun to talk about strategies and, and uh, kind of hear how they do things. And so huge thanks to our, all of our Autobot yeah. friends. They're great guys over there. And, uh, Dan, thank you so much. We're looking forward to having you on as well here. So. Yeah, that'll be fun. So look for that. We'll call it the number uh, when it does get released and uh, use social media to get that out there. Uh, what else? Keep going here with... Uh... We have nothing but news. Nothing but news <laughs> tonight. It's all like show-related news. Sheesh, this is crazy. Well, as uh, you probably saw, if you're following the videos, we also introduced today, at the same time everything else is going on, we introduced <laughs> Thomas Helmanza. He's our European correspondent. He lives in Germany, and he just dropped his first piece for us. And the yep. reason is, a lot of it is already explained, but he's got access to things that we in the U.S. do not. The first are mm-hmm. European models of cars, so variations yep. or completely different models that aren't sold elsewhere on the, on the planet, primarily the U.S. And he's also got this <laughs> special thing. Yeah, specifically. He's also got this special thing called the Autobahn. And uh, yep. we love the Autobahn. It's nearly outside Tom's back door, and so he's Pretty got much. this as his. This is his uh, his secret weapon, and uh, yep. so look look for that video. It is the Fiesta ST two door, 
which he found mm-hmm. to have he, – he loved it, of course. But he's got a different take on things, and I do want to actually sort of let the cat out of the bag a little bit because so many people are commenting on his accent. And he's German. <laughs> and where yeah. did he learn English? And people are, uh-huh. are calling it out, and you're not wrong. He does sound like he's from New York, East Coast, New Jersey. And here is why. It's, it's an endless source of entertainment. We think Tom is great. He's a great friend of the show. He's a great friend to us. And now our European correspondent. But guess where he learned English? <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. I, I'll let you tell it. I'll let you tell it. I'm, well, I mean, I, I asked him after a while because <laughs> the minute you meet him, his inflection and everything, he doesn't sound like a German-speaking English the, the way you would normally expect right. that to sound. Right. And we have other German friends. He just doesn't sound that way. And it's because he happened to learn English by watching The Sopranos and Seinfeld. <laughs> and the minute that you hear that, you go, well, there it is. Now I understand it. Mm-hmm. But he's he's great. And in fact, you guys have been really receptive of Tom and we appreciate it. I mean, we've obviously been shepherding his style so that it can it can be better merged with the kind of videos we do. He's done a very good job of building something that matches with our brand. We're excited about stuff going forward. It really has. But, but you've had a lot of really nice, welcoming comments so far. And I have to really appreciate you guys for that. But one of my favorite comments was some guy that said, he speaks English better than I do. And that is true. I mean, he does He does a very, very good job. In fact, in one of my recent emails, I was sending to Tom a bunch of information. He sent me back the spelling mistakes I'd made. So kudos, Tom. Uh, yes. So anyway, but he's with us now, and we're excited. And, of course, we first worked with him on the pilgrimage uh, film. And uh, and now he's going to be doing that European stuff for us, which is very exciting. I feel like I need to be adding color. You know, he, he likes blue. His, he likes artichokes. He can dunk. No. Um <laughs> He actually does like basketball quite a bit. So uh, throw him any – talk to him about basketball. He will love that. And uh, he's a huge fan of American basketball. So, uh, well, world over. Anyway, um, yeah, welcome. He has worked his tail off creating this. And we're looking yeah. forward to more. Yeah, so yeah. he's going to start getting in a lot more cars that are, again, specific to Europe, uh, the brands that we mm-hmm. don't get, the mm-hmm. Seats, the Skodas, the – you know, what is it, what is it like to, to drive these cars – and then he's got his secret weapon, the Autobahn. So that's going to be absolutely. I mean, a lot of fun being able to take cars like like we did with the Fiesta. He took yeah. a car that we have driven multiple times and liked, and then he had the chance to go, "How fast will this go?" And just <laughs> find a bit of Autobahn and put his foot to the floor until the car can give no more. That's interesting. I, I'm intrigued by that, but obviously we have no way to go do that. So I'm glad that he can bring that to us. It's interesting because I had gotten in – side note, I'd gotten in a discussion with uh, some German friends who live in Munich and Berlin respectively. And Teslas are being sold more over in Europe and specifically Germany a lot more now. But they had said initially the reason a, a lot of buyers were shopping in that category, especially the price category, and kind of turning up their noses at Teslas was because they were limited on top speed. They said, well, mm. if I'm paying that much money – why wouldn't I go over here and get the BMW 7 Series that can go 180 or faster or the big Mercedes S-Class S- or the sure, you know, whatever sure. it is? I'm paying the same money. I don't get it. Here in the U.S., that's irrelevant. Over in, yeah, it in doesn't Germany, matter. Doesn't matter. this is how you fly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is point. how you fair actually point. get around. So if it's actually slower, you're paying more money. I can see the logic. It's a warped, different kind of logic that we don't get here, <laughs> that we don't yeah, ever well, really talk yeah, about. It's but, very specific um, to their market. Top speed's a thing. It's an issue there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really is. So it's it's relevant, especially for sure, the German market. I'm sure somebody will have done this test. Maybe they already have, and I'm just not aware of it. But I would be curious, because obviously when you're going you know, 160 miles per hour, of course, on the Autobahn, your your car, whatever it is, is now just sucking down fuel. It's not even bothering to gulp. It's just absorbing the fuel. <laughs> I would be curious to know what kind of range would you have in a Tesla at top speed, at, at mm, max? Right. What kind of range would a Tesla have? Just out of sheer curiosity, I would love to know. Because obviously normal driving on a, on a Model S, you're getting upwards of 260, which is an incredi- incredible amount of mileage. But if you're doing, what are they max at, like 125 or so, which is not exactly slow. It is slow on the Autobahn, granted. Yeah. But, uh, but at 120, which is insane. But at 125, what's that range like? I'd just be curious. It'd be interesting. But some German will tell us. Maybe Tom can figure it out for us. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be good. It might be in the 150 range, but I'm not sure yeah, as which far is, as top speed. Know, not slow, I'm sure that but the gas, 
car wouldn't go any further, yeah. You know, when you're getting blown past, you know, by the 7 Series going 180, 190, yeah, it's actually kind well, of slow. But, it's crazy. Well, but I'll go a step beyond that. If you're doing 125 in your Model S, Tom just passed you in the Fiesta ST. <laughs> Great. That's, yes, he that's, did. That's an image for you there. When he goes by at 147 in a Fiesta ST. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just want to look at that's, that car from the outside and see what it's doing while it's going that fast. It's just, a frightening image, isn't it? Yeah, anyway. Frightening. So we should, we should get to a massively recurring question. We're not doing a car debate tonight specifically, but we're going to talk about a type of car, and that is the $5,000 question, the $5,000 or less car. We've touched on it a couple of times. And a few things have happened. As we've touched on it, you guys have asked more. And we recently this week actually got a Facebook message from Shaka, and he wrote in to us, I'll be honest, a little bit angry because (laughs) we don't endorse the $5,000 car. And he told an interesting story that in a roundabout way, actually, I feel like defends why we don't really recommend the $5,000 car. But we're going to talk it up one side and down the other and try to clarify a little bit. And I should acknowledge really quickly a couple of things, and I'll get back to this a bit, but look, there are many less than $5,000 cars available, and you guys always ask the same kind of question, which is, what's the best car for $5,000? And I would submit to you, at five grand, you are not shopping for a specific car anymore. You're shopping very much about a budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so whether you're doing Auto Trader or Craigslist or wherever you're finding stuff, you're going to be surprised. It's, it's like a treasure hunt. You're going to put that cap in there and see what shows up and then start to refine it by, well, let me see what coupes are available or let me see what things are manual. And it's going to start to massively refine the list and you're going to discover something. There is no way for us to say, oh, go look for this car at less than five grand because maybe you'll find it, maybe you won't. But on the other end of the spectrum, you may find something you never imagined at that amount of money. That is a shockingly, I I can't believe this car exists. I always wanted one of those. Look, it's $4,500. Doesn't mean you should buy it, but it's really hard to say this car, less than five grand, because your market is going to have many available for less than 5,000, and you just don't know what they're going to be at any given time. So, yeah, this was an interesting kind of challenge we gave ourselves to look up $5,000 and less options and talk about them and speak about why we don't really recommend this. I'm rolling up my sleeves over here. This is going to be good. I'm relishing this. And it all started, well, kind of, with our friend Steve. Uh, Both Todd and I have a good friend named Steve. He's in Atlanta. And Mm -hmm. the impetus for him asking us was he had a, uh, what, oh, nine, no, earlier, 97, somewhere, early early Honda Accord, 160,000 miles, got rear-ended, car was totaled. And he's going, Ugh, that was unexpected. I've only got about 5000 mm-hmm. to spend, and I, mm-hmm. I need a car. I need a car to get to work and get around and all the stuff with kids and family and all that stuff. That It, yeah. it was very much a, I'm not counting on this. The heater went out. The air conditioner went out. Something happened at your house. You know, the car. I, I need a car. So you're right. It is yeah. very yeah, yeah. budget-focused. I gave myself a few things here to follow. The first okay. was, yes, budget. Yes, but I also mm-hmm. consider a $5,000 car to be anything up to six. So like a $5,300 car is still a $5,000 okay. car to me. Or a $5,700 okay. car is still kind right. of a $5,000 car, if you know what I mean. Six and above is yeah. off the table. But that's, sure. okay. those were my parameters in shopping. And I shopped – both you and I did a lot of research on this one. This was good, and I yeah. found it very yeah. educational. And some Agreed. things cropped Agreed. up before, before we jump in. Some things cropped up that I do want to note – and first of all, I, I came across salvage title. And I went, ooh, yeah, something to, mm-hmm. to think about. Generally, just avoid salvage title like the plague. You just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought of insurance. And this came in uh, not because of the amount you paid for the car, but because maybe it was a luxury car you know, when it was brand new. And the insurance company mm-hmm. might still, still see it as a luxury car. And you might end up paying more. Even though you found this great car for such a deal – the insurance sure, company sure. might say, oh, well, that BMW is a $80,000 car when it's new. So they might view it that way. Not always. Yeah. They Obviously, they, they know what they're doing. They adjust for, uh, for the age of the car and all that stuff. Um, but that was a thing. Uh, extra warranty, because when you buy a $5,200 car and then they, you know, if it's a private lot or whatever, and then you think, huh, extra warranty, and you end up paying 800 to 
you know, 1200 bucks for an extra warranty. Yeah, That's sure. not a $5,000 car anymore. And then yeah. the last thing I ran across was nasty, nasty mods. I mean, yes, that, <laughs> that Super Turbo is $5,000, but have you seen it? Because, wow, <laughs> yuck. So those, well, are my, those are my warnings before we jump in. And uh, the last thing, caveat here, is what about newer, higher mileage cars that are now less money because they've got such high miles? Maybe it was all commuter sure. road miles. That sure. might yeah, be yeah. a consideration because the car is newer, parts can easily be replaced, and, you know, Hyundais go, you know, 100,000-mile warranty or whatever. So, okay, maybe, you know, maybe the price is now less because it's, you know, again, as a, uh, a high-mileage car, not because of the age sure. of the car. We tend to think of yeah. that category as, ooh, they're just old cars. Not necessarily. So that can come into play. And then yeah. uh, I think you and I both made lists here of uh, – of sort of the yeah maybe and the don't even think about it kind of direction yeah, is that kind of where you landed that's kind of a yeah that's kind of a fun list i do have that list that i actually took some screenshots as i was finding stuff and going huh that's interesting or oh my gosh run away you know i mean that was the the, the thing but i i want to speak <laughs> to i want to speak to kind of my personal headline about why i i try to shy people away from this idea and it comes a lot from personal experience and then i want to rope in uh what shaka had to say and what mm. he sent us because yeah. i think it relates but here's the thing i've bought a few cars for less than 5 grand i've yeah. done it Okay, one of the ones I can think of, uh, my wife and I bought from a personal friend who loved this car and took good care of it. We bought a 1990 Audi 90. That is before <laughs> Audi was doing the A4. So front wheel drive, 1990 Audi. We bought it for less than five grand. They had taken pretty good care of it. And yet, in the nine months of owning it, it was always needing something. Always. Hmm. And in nine months, we unloaded it. And we we unloaded it for, I think, like 38 grand or 3,800 or four grand or something like that. And we'd put money into it. That is one of the experiences that I had. And the other one was having an old Ford Explorer. But the thing in both cases, this is the, this is the cautionary tale of this. I feel like when a lot of you write to us and say, what's the best car for $5,000? I say this, maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting, but this is certainly where I was. When the budget is five grand, you don't have 5200 you don't have 6 grand you have 5 grand true and true. the thing about it and the reason i bring that up is because you have 5 grand and you're out you're tapped out you're finished so if that car needs $1500 worth of labor in 6 months where does that money come from and if this is your only car and you now have to figure out where does $1500 come from because you've blown your budget at 5 grand i've been there that is a painful moment when you're having trouble trying to pay for gas in your $5,000 car and now it needs a radiator or something that adds yeah. up and you've got a number with a comma in it. How do you pay for that? And so the reason that I often recommend to people get a more expensive car with payments is because theoretically, I realize it's still a bit of a dice roll. But if you've got a more expensive car in better shape, it will theoretically take less to maintain and now you as a person with a very tight budget can budget, this is my car payment every month. Mm -hmm. It's this yeah. exact amount plus gas, and I will move. I will get to work. I will get home from work. I can get groceries. There's less chance <clears throat> of the unknown. A $5,000 car, and most of the ones I found, the average mileage on these cars was 150,000 miles. Hmm. That was okay. the average. Okay. So, and I was just looking randomly. The other, the other commonality was they were almost always automatic. So if you're looking for your enthusiast fun car, that's, that's going to be a needle in a haystack thing. You're going to end up with transportation at five grand. There are enthusiast fun cars out there, but keep in mind, they were more high-strung originally. Now they're high-strung and run down. That's going to cost you more money. So I, I, hmm. I get to a very budget-conscious conscious place when we start talking five grand, and I start thinking about... If you're shopping in this world, you're shopping for a car that has to run to get you through your life. It, no exceptions. And it can't cost you extra. And that's a problem. Shocker wrote to us and said, guys, there's tons of cars out there for five grand. And then he proceeded to tell us he bought a Maxima that was well uh, set up by the dealer. He got a pre-purchase inspection. It appeared to be great. He bought a Maxima for five grand. He's like, guys, I got a great car. And then he mentions in the next paragraph that in the first three months, he spent $2,000 more on it. Mm -hmm. Radiator, yeah. alternator. This is what we're saying. Yeah. Shaka had five, $6,000. Yeah. 
He didn't buy a five, $6,000 car. If in the first three months it takes two more grand to keep it running, okay, guess what? That's a $2,000 more expensive car. Right. right. That's difficult for budget. So the problem is not, can you find a good $5,000 car? I will show you on my list. You can. But the problem is, what does it need and how do you afford that? Yeah, and that money might have just gotten thrown on a credit card, and that's not that doesn't make you know financial sense when you've just blown five thousand. I you know I like your suggestion about freeing up some cash. If you you know it's five thousand, lean more towards a car with payments because then you've got a little bit of cash flow for insurance, for fuel, for theoretically, you know those kinds of things. Yes, you don't want to you know blow it all at once. Because then what do you do? What do you do when mm-hmm. you've you've spent the five thousand? Now okay, I need. Tires, okay, insurance, shoot, I forgot about that. Tax title registration isn't included in that. That's still a yeah. few hundred dollars at that price point. So and, and I and I thought about you know, I thought about the number of times that that my budget really mattered that much, where I had, okay, this many hundred goes here and this many hundred goes here, and my car cannot take a dollar more than I'm prepared to spend on it. It just needs to run. Yeah. I've bought a few cars at the ten to fifteen thousand dollar range. My Sabaru was ten thousand dollars. That's right. Did it need stuff over the four or five years of owning it? Yes, it did. Oh yeah. But it didn't need a ton of stuff and it it, it didn't need anything for like the first year I owned it with the exception of winter tires. Mm-hmm. So okay. You know, I mean, now look, I'm I'm acknowledging oil changes, this kind of stuff. Consumables exist in any car. That's kind of a wash. You have to plan for that. But, you know, my, my Sabaru was, I think, if memory serves, about $125 a month in payment. Because I just financed it. It was an older car, but I just financed it and didn't put anything down and just went. Because mm-hmm. that was how my budget mm-hmm. worked at the time. We just moved. A lot of stuff was going on. And I was like, 125 bucks a month we can do. And we have enough wiggle room that if something goes wrong with that car, we can also solve it. Right, right. But, you know, 125 bucks a month is kind of nothing for a $10,000 car. Um, so yeah. this is where my headspace comes from. I'm not saying this is foolproof. <clears throat> but my big, my big terror, and I, I don't mean to overstate, but my big terror for people buying a $5,000 car and that's all the money that you have is what if it breaks? Yeah. And at 150 or 60,000 miles, 10, 15, 20 years old, I'm sorry, something's going to break. It just is. It's funny because you can look at this, you know, these lists as, you know, car. If, if it's a second car, I think it gets a bit of a hall pass. But if it's your only car, yeah. it's got to be nearly bulletproof, as you're saying. And so mm-hmm. therefore, we lean towards the appliances of the world. And I hate to say yeah. it. But Japanese cars, because they oftentimes run despite you, and not mm-hmm. that the German and European cars won't go the same mileage. They will easily, but they just require more maintenance to do so. That just means cost. Mm-hmm. In a lot of yep. cases, you can just keep running. You know, the oil level's half full, and you're just really <laughs> terrible at maintaining cars. Those Japanese cars are noteworthy for just continuing to run. I will add Korean cars yeah. to that list, especially Hyundai's. Yeah. And you got me thinking about payments just then, and I've seen Hyundai's either I think it's either buy or lease, either you know Elantras and the Volkswagen, like the entry level Jettas and Golfs for one seventy nine mm-hmm. a month, or you know sure, zero down, sure, sure. sign and drive, you know all those ads. They just they just want to see turnover. Yes, the money will come, you know, over time with your payments, but they're just moving the sheet metal. They're just mm-hmm. moving cars in terms of volume, and one hundred and seventy nine bucks a month. That's still maybe doable and you've got a new car with a warranty that yeah. peace of mind I mean, and that you know right there is you, worth a you, lot of money absolutely you have to figure out your pain tolerance but i'll give you the other side of the equation i had a guy i worked with once his name was tim some called him tim uh but his name was tim <laughs> and he had a early 90s 5 series bmw that he had bought for next to nothing yeah kudos the car yeah. was more than 20 years old he loved it. It was a cool car, but but he worked on it every single weekend. Really, he was doing something. He just and, and I'm exaggerating a bit, but the number of time I would say three like quarters of the time I would see him on and Monday and upgrading and, I, and that kind of thing. It was it was tinkering or maintenance. He did a ton of maintenance to that car because he bought it for nothing and it needed all kinds of things. And the more he drove it, the more he found stuff it needed. 
So he would, during the week, he'd be ordering parts, and on the weekend, he'd be putting them on. And I'm not talking the guy was modding the thing and turning into a crazy monster. He was making it run right. Hmm. He had the interest, he had the space, and he had, and it was kind of his hobby. But this is my point. He got it for next to nothing, and it needed most things. I mean, and it ran, but every now and then it was like, where's Tim? Well, his car didn't start this morning. I mean, that happened. So <laughs> if... You know, Yikes, but, so, yeah. but, if, but if but if that's your pain tolerance and if that's your interest, you've got a lot more flexibility. But I am worried when I hear this $5,000 question about the person that needs a car that runs because that's where we start to get dangerous. And you're right. Ultimately, you know, it's it may not be a second car or, a, you know, just I, I don't know. It's got to it's got to run. It's got to be that person's only car and they've got to really depend on it. And not a not a dollar more. I I definitely understand that. And I came up with this list of cars I kept finding. And I went ooh, and I kept throwing it on okay. this list. It's fifteen in the category of okay. hmm. Consider not. It, All right. I initially Bring titled it. it you know the good cars I would buy and the bad cars I wouldn't buy. But now I'm just thinking about this, going yikes. Because again, all these cars need constant maintenance, and as they get older, they need more. And yeah. Tim, how much is his time worth? If he were in an yeah, hourly agreed. job, agreed. is he a lawyer? Yeah. Is he a, you know, a nurse? What does he do? You know, if you get paid hourly, do you charge fifty bucks an hour? Are you one hundred and fifty dollars an hour? That if it's yeah. your hobby, fine, but that's your time that you're not getting paid for. So, kind of technically, that money's going away too because yeah, now you're spending yeah. your you time. That. Your time is valuable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a bit of a roundabout way, but. You know, not not that we're saying don't tinker with your cars because that can be some of the most enjoyable times ever. But um, yeah, it's that's and part I, of it. And I have to look. I have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, and that is, any car you buy <clears throat> at any cost, at any amount of newness, is going to need something. Yeah, it, it's cars. Cars they consume things. They wear out. They will need maintenance. Period. At any at any budget point. I'm not saying you bought a fifteen thousand dollar car. Congratulations. It'll never need anything. I'm not saying that, of course. Right. But I'm just worried about this very tight budget end. And I will also acknowledge there are those of you with fingers poised over a keyboard right now writing us an angry letter about the car you bought for thirty five hundred that's never needed even even oil and it's run for ten years and it's been the greatest thing ever. I will <laughs> right. acknowledge those right. exist. Those exist too. But I but I don't wanna I don't wanna dodge the dice roll that this is. That's the thing I wanna get across, and that's why we shy away from it. But yet I found a lot of interesting cars at five grand. Don't know that I'd buy all of them, mm -hmm. but some interesting ones and a few that I was like, please run away, including I didn't even I didn't even make a note of this because there were so many. If you would like a PT cruiser, and I'm telling you, <laughs> you don't. If you would like a PT cruiser though, you have your pick at five grand and oh less. My gosh. You just the world is yours. If you want a PT cruiser for less than five grand, <laughs> I can show you many. <laughs> I've blocked that name out of my head. That was awful to hear that. Oh my gosh! I hope you don't drive a PT Cruiser because I'd be happy to upgrade you to a Corolla. Anyway, um, <laughs> wow, wow, that's a ringing endorsement. Will, okay, onward. I will not conceal my contempt. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we so go. What were some of the ones you liked. Uh, I I kept adding, and funny enough, the list of I would consider this is actually longer than the bad cars I would never buy and would run away from. Now, I see that. there's yeah. caveats. We could shout them down either way, but here we go. Sure. How about a 97 Volvo 850R sedan? Now, mm. this ties in with a Facebook question that we got from, uh, looking right now, John Run Renault. John Renault uh, is asking, also, what's the best turbo car for under five grand? I always like that mm. 850R. 140,000 miles, $49.99. So exactly bang on 5,000. Mm. I feel like those cars were well built and you'll see them with approaching 200,000 miles. So you think, well, sure, I've got sure. 60,000 miles to drive the thing. I might as well just, you know, find an independent Volvo mechanic and just drive the thing. Mm -hmm. Why not? That was a yeah. fun, fast car. Yes, automatic to your point earlier, but. Mm -hmm. eh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most, almost all of them are. Running over to uh, the Japanese market here, the Honda Civic Si from about 99 to 2002. Yeah, high miles, but again, Honda. I mean, mm. synonymous yep. with just loads and loads and loads of commuter miles, plus it's an SI, could be a lot of fun. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't find particular examples, but they were right in the five thousand sweet spot there. Um, stay with stay with Honda for a minute, because I had two that I came across. Of course, the Civic is ubiquitous. Uh, there are many, 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 many Civics are out yeah. there. I've got a I've got an 06 here that I found forty eight hundred dollars an 06 uh, Honda Civic LX, hundred and forty four thousand miles. Again, forty eight hundred dollars. It actually looks pretty clean on the outside. Shockingly, it's a manual, and the interior is the place where it starts to show its age because the interior, unfortunately, is that like flesh colored cloth, oh. which shows <laughs> yeah. it shows dirt in the first five minutes of its existence. It's yeah. that it's that terrible tan that shows everything. Yeah. And now you've got one hundred and fifty thousand miles on it on a ten year old car. Guess what? The seats aren't great. Now the dash and everything looks fine. It is a manual. 144,000 miles on a Honda Civic, that's just going to keep running. Now, I do have to acknowledge, think about your service intervals. Most cars have got a major one between 80 and 100,000, and most of the time, people don't do that one. I'm just saying. So if you're at 144,000 miles, there's probably been a few major services that have not been done to this car, but a Honda Civic, probably going to run. Another Honda I found that I went, huh, was a 1998 Prelude. Oh, a prelude. They're front-wheel drive, but they were surprisingly agile sports cars. This is from, frankly, the glory days of Honda. I mean, it's when they were still making, or they were just about to release, actually, the the S2000. So it's in that real glory days of the Civics were great, the preludes were awesome. This car is in decent shape. Not great shape, but, I mean, it's a 98, 180,000 miles on it. Sadly, it's an automatic but 180,000 miles, that's bound to need some maintenance stuff. But it's a Honda Prelude. Okay. All right. I'm, you know, I, I'd i consider it for sure. Hmm. I like those Preludes from like 1988, 89 that had the four-wheel steering. Those were cool. Hmm. I liked those cars. And you still see them around here and there. But, yeah, where do these cars go to die? I mean, all these cars were listing. They just seem like you see less mm-hmm. and less of them. That's funny. I, I dug those preludes for some reason. I don't know why, but... I agree with you. Huh. All right. What else do we have here? You're right. I did find a bunch of uh, BMW 5 Series from late 90s through early 2000s. Going, tons. Tons of the 5s. Wow. You know, they're they're right there. Somewhere six grand, maybe 5,500, yeah. somewhere in there. 107,000 miles. Another one here. Mm-hmm. 123,000 miles. Those cars would go 200, no problem. But then, you know, to what we're talking about is you got to pay to keep them running that way. They're just – Yeah, they absolutely, will, absolutely. They will not stumble over the finish line even. They will just die and leave you hanging. Um, yeah, I mean, well, as, as we've said before, the German cars, for all of the love that we give them, German cars are thoroughbreds, okay? You yeah. know, you're I – hate, I hate to use this – I don't know why I end up with a horse analogy. But, but, <laughs> but you know, they're, 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 race, they're race horses, which means they are finicky. They are difficult. They need maintenance. But they're awesome. But they deliver. Versus your kind of <laughs> – your, your plow horse or your workhorse or whatever yeah. you want to think. And those are many of the Japanese cars and a lot of the American cars that, as I joke, are going to run in spite of you, not because of you. Right. German cars don't do that. You don't give them what they need, and they will promptly break. So – you know, I've got a 2002 BMW uh, 530i sedan here, right at five grand, and the outside looks okay. The inside looks, well, terrible, frankly. Uh, just, just, just <laughs> bad. No, the driver's no way to seat, dice this up. How do I the, explain? The this? driver's seat is abysmal. The the rest of it's okay. But the driver's yeah. seat is abysmal. I mean, clearly somebody that had no idea how to take care of a leather seat, and it's old. So that's good. Uh, but you know, my concern there is, what does this car just need? I mean. And in fact, this is the terrible one that's $5,000 and they do not, strategically do not list the mileage, which is also a bit of a warning bell. That was on my bad pile because I was Mm. like, that's got lots of checks against it. It's a very cheap 5 Series. It probably has a lot of miles enough so they aren't even telling us. And that that seat suggests this car has been road hard and put away wet. So, Mm. uh, yeah, no. Hmm. When I came across an O2 Lexus ES300, I thought, mm-hmm. Ugh, it's a Camry with the thinnest of thin leathers coating the inside. Yeah. For 116,000 yeah. miles, and this was actually six grand, I thought, you know what? There's nothing fun about that car. So I went I went searching, you know, try to okay. inject the fun, and I found an 05 mm-hmm. Nissan 350Z Coupe. So hmm. 350Z, now 175,000 miles. That's a lot. Okay. It's, okay. it's unmodded, though. And it was hmm, pushing okay. six grand. So, 
It's the coupe, yeah, not the convertible. Hey, that's a find. That's a find. Kind of a find. I'm hoping those are more highway miles, which is fine for an engine. They're fine. And, uh, well, and that could be. You, you said know? it's a convertible. That's no, that's it's why not. it's that cheap. It's it was the, it was a oh, coupe, okay. so it was not the convertible. I actually like the coupe better for the for the shape. It I do too. I do too. Um, is it is it an auto though? I'm guessing I it's got to be an auto. Forgot to check. I'm guessing auto. But it's got to be an auto for that kind of money. You know, but yeah, it's a that, that's a find for sure. Yeah. Um, of all the Z well, cars, and that I didn't brings up really love it. I loved yours better, the 300Z. I loved that better. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I did find a 300ZX. Uh, it is an auto. But it's a 1995, so Ooh. very late in the run. It's a non-turbo 95, 110,000 miles, which is less than the one that I sold. The one that I sold had about 140 when I sold it. So 110,000 miles on a 95. It is an auto, sadly, but it looks remarkably clean. I laughed because in the description was, the driver is off at college and I need the space. It's like, <laughs> does the driver know you're selling this? $3,500 for this car. $3,500. That's a okay, all right. That's a fine. That's a decent car. I mean, one hundred and ten thousand miles. I'll tell you right now, having owned one, these cars are brutal to work on. Yeah. You open the yeah. hood, and there's another hood underneath it, and it's just car parts. It's just engine parts. There's no like gaps and places you can reach in. You just open the hood and look. There's another hood. It's incredibly difficult to work on. Every I mean, and the turbos were even worse. I don't even know how they fit that engine in there. I actually met a mechanic once who said he would work on my 300ZX because it wasn't a turbo, but please never bring him a turbo. I mean, they, they're they really? just hard. Didn't you yes, say that I, made the maintenance more expensive and he was kind of glad that you didn't have the turbo version? I mean, didn't yeah, that just yeah, up exactly. the maintenance cost dramatically? And so you went, great, I bought the right car or kind of – well, you've you know. got. I mean, there's a lot more. There are a lot more. Uh, a lot more technology packed into them. I mean, not only was it a twin turbo V6, but they also had that uh, Hickus or whatever it's, however it's pronounced, that, that early uh, Nissan uh, four wheel steering. They had that in them in the right. turbos too. Right. And, you know, those were prone for their issues because, come on, it was early four-wheel st steer technology. So it was one of those things, amazing when it worked kind of things. So the twin turbos had a lot more going on. But $3,500 for this car, that is a fine. It looks clean. And I, I will actually uh, play my hand a bit. I decided to look within 25 miles of my old zip code in L.A., Oh, did you? Because I knew, I knew I would find all kinds of things. And I have to say, when I first looked it up on Auto Trader, I, I did this, and I put in those parameters: my old zip code in LA, twenty-five miles of that zip code, which reached from essentially down past Beverly Hills, way all the way through Los Angeles, all kinds of stuff. The initial listing was fourteen hundred cars available for under five grand. You're kidding me! Oh my gosh! Within twenty-five miles of that zip code, fourteen hundred cars. So then I had to start massively paring it down, and I found things like this seat car. Wow! That actually, that's a fine for that price. Mm -hmm. That's agreed. And you agreed. had fun with that automatic. You had a great time. I did. I mean, it was a no, great was car a, to drive. Really, that was a fantastic car to drive. It was, but that was a car that every year took something. Every year it took something. Yeah. It just it wasn't like it needs tires. Every year you told me that. I had to. We we had my, my wife and I we had that three hundred ZX, which I did love. We had about fifteen hundred dollars a year set aside in just maintenance. That's and right. sometimes sometimes that we had a couple of years when it was like twenty eight hundred three grand to keep it running. And again, that one I just told you about was thirty five hundred dollars to buy it. There were a couple of years we had three grand or so to keep it running, and a couple of years where we had six hundred bucks. So that fifteen hundred dollars a year was about an average, and I owned it for a while. Uh, so, I mean, I loved it, but this is what we're saying, especially performance cars that, that are used. Uh, I mean, brace yourself. Don't don't avoid <laughs> yeah. it, but definitely brace yourself. You know that story is going to be go something like this for the, for the person selling that car. Hey, honey, welcome home from college. Where's my car? Exactly. What'd you do with my car? Yeah, the, oh, and it, and we I just got back vacation. <laughs> I also thought it was funny that it didn't say the owner is off at college. It said the driver the is driver, off at college. The driver, exactly. So that, that's, that's mom or dad going, oh, you're going to fail that class again, are you? We'll see what happens when you get home from school. I mean, that's, that's, that's nasty right there. I don't know that I want to be in the middle of that discussion. Sold your car and went to Hawaii. <laughs> Do better on your grades anyway. next time. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, the final yes. car that I landed on that was a good one that I would consider – I got to say, Matt Fair has proved the model. I found an 01 Lexus LS430, mm, mm. 218,000 miles. Yes, high mileage. Okay. 
So this was six grand. It's fifty nine ninety nine. But I figured, all right, you could proc them probably talk them down to uh, fifty eight, fifty seven, maybe. And Lexus had always advertised these V8s. These engines are built to go three hundred thousand miles. I believe they had a a um, a timing chain instead of a belt. I could be wrong there. Somebody will correct me. I think you're right. But, but they were yeah, somebody will they were us. well built. <laughs> And 218,000 miles, and here's Matt with the million-mile Lexus. And yeah. has he had to do stuff? Yes, he has. But that came way later at the 900,000-mile mark with lots of parts. Well, he, um, he spent he spent five or six or seven times as much on that Lexus to keep it running toward a million than he did to purchase it. And I don't know what the actual sure. numbers are. If you listen to his podcast, you'll hear. But he has spent thousands upon thousands to keep that car running. And Lexus has sent him a bunch of free parts on top of it. And it still cost him many, many times True. more than he paid for the car to keep it running. Granted, we're talking about an extreme. It's a it's a near million mile car. Yes. 200,000 is different for let sure. Let me spin it for you. This has a fifth of that mile. Merely, <laughs> merely a fifth. Far, 218,000 is nothing. That's low miles for compared to the but million I'm, mile Lexus. Come on. But I'm glad you're bringing up those early Lexus <laughs> because I actually noticed two of them. Oh, really? Uh, I found a Lexus, okay. a 1993 Lexus SC. Remember the first kind of coupe Lexus shape SC. the Lexus made? Oh, yes. I have an interesting the design long, story for you. The long coupe. It almost looks like, you know, the Lexus version of the Supra, if you know what I mean. It has, yeah. that, it has that shape about it. Yep. 1993 Lexus SC 300 coupe. Yes, it's an automatic. It is surprisingly clean. Only 97,000 miles on this car. $4,900. Kidding me. That good, actually good looking cars run fine honestly good looking cars it fine. probably does i mean i can see there's some kind of nasty road rash on these wheels which makes me question the driver just a little bit i mean like i i t ticked a curb kind of road rash which makes me go oh okay <laughs> but you know it is an auto it is it is a beautiful looking car and the thing about those early lexus is that they were over engineered and run really well which brings me to my other lexus thought which is the 2001 Lexus IS 300. That IS that generation oh, of the yeah. IS. Yeah, 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 yeah. That generation of the IS, rear-wheel drive, surprisingly dynamic, interesting inside and out. This one, sadly, is an auto, but it's an 01 IS 300. It's blue, four-door sedan, good-looking car. I like the look of this. 190,000 miles. That's going to need something, but it is going to run, I suspect, Unfortunately, it is an auto, but that's okay. I would look at a Lexus with some serious miles, and that's just those are just cool cars too. Those are cool cars. Those are small and nimble, actually. I uh, yeah, I like those. Huh, huh, huh. All right, I am looking forward to getting to the bad cars, the cars to run away with, run away from. I yeah. mean, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go faster on this one because uh, <laughs> you'll understand why quickly. But there's a car that I've always kind of had this hankering for, and I couldn't find one for five grand. They are still not $5,000, and there's a reason. So you remember uh, the movie Ronin? We were talking about the car chase scene in that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Audi S8 that they had. I think they had an 01, mm -hmm. but I went looking for the cheapest S8 I could find from the early 2000s. Okay. They only built them 01 okay. to 03. Found an 03. Right. It was 6900 and it had like 170,000 okay. miles on it. I'm going, wow. they're still not five grand. And that's a $80,000 <laughs> car. That is, a yep. that is a wormhole of black hole money for your bank account that, yes. whenever you try to do something. I'm going, Ways to flush your cash. No wow. way. I love those cars. I just, I, for some reason, I loved them. I think the movie really seared it into my mind, just what they could do and what you sure. could do with it, you know, but... I'm going, no way, no way. Why would somebody ever buy this car for seven grand? Well, here, here's here's one that I came across it, and I was like, that's so awful, I have to bring it up. Uh -oh. A 1989 Chrysler TC by Maserati. So it's the oh, town and country right. convertible with the Maserati badging. An awful interior. This interior must have looked dated the day they sold it, and they've put an aftermarket uh, uh, nav thing on the on the dash, which did not help. So anyway, the oh. auto, terrible looking. Oh, the, this whole era of Chrysler is not good. The Maserati did not help it. They want $2,000 for that car. And I I would almost rather put a $2,000 pile of cash in my living room and set it on fire. 
and film it and put it on YouTube. <laughs> that, 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 and I would probably make my money and back. Make then, your money at back. Least, at least that would make money over time. <laughs> this TC would only burn cash. Oh, man. You know the meetings went something like this. Hey, we've got all these leftover Maserati badges. What, what, what should we do with all these plastic Maserati <laughs> badges? Got a whole box of them. What should we do with them? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, terrible. All right. Uh, so that S8 made me think of the uh, the Phaeton, the Volkswagen Phaeton from 04 and 05. Yeah. Remember this car? What are they, like 10 now? What are they, like 10 grand now? Get this. I found two of them, 04 and 05, with the V8. So it was not the W12, the crazy W12. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 235,000 and 151,000 miles, respectively. Wow. Okay. All right. 235. Wow. Okay, go on. <laughs> 5,500 and 5,200 for this car. That's an expensive car if you want to go have maintenance done. That's, well, yes, it is. <laughs> and, no. well, I'll, I'll, go you a step, I'll go you a step further. I mean, no. that Phaeton was over-engineered, which is two things, meaning a lot of the traditional stuff is going to run. However, they also tried a lot of things, which means it is massively packed with technology. I've always found those cars intriguing. Talk totally. about driving a oh. bank vault down the road. Yeah. But the, the other thing about it was... Driving your own text, bank vault down the road. Yeah. The, the techs for those cars had to have special training. So good luck even finding a, a tech that knows all the systems of that car. Oh, yeah. And then because they're so specialized, it's just going to drain cash. And I find them incredibly intriguing. But I think that is a... Yeah, that's a wormhole for money right there Can for sure. Can you believe that? I just... I, we had talked about that car years ago and thought, the Phaeton, it's this luxurious, mm -hmm. cool thing. Nobody has one. Well, you can get them for 5500 bucks now and throw your money away. Wow. So, Well, I've got one for you that I feel like is on, is on, the, is on the border. It's on the verge. Okay. And I bring okay. it up for you because you'll be able to speak to it. $4,500 for this car. Okay? All right. 1988, 1988 Porsche 928 S4 with 140,000 miles. Oh. Oh. Now, it's an auto. It's an auto. It's in what I can only describe as uh, matte brown or <laughs> possibly matte like camo green. It's hard to tell from the photos, to be honest, but it is auto. We'll just go with um, barnyard. How about that? Yeah. Barnyard yeah, and, metallic. And, and the, wheels, the wheels have been painted the same color, which I don't know that that's an asset, but they are the same color. Um, I mean, look, I love, I know you did too, but I loved these 928 S4s, but $4,500, interesting. And this car's, I mean, you know, talked about the maintenance on these. Your, yours was actually in great shape and you kind of always had to do a little something. Yeah. Well, part of it was because I was, was kind of wanting to do something, but I ultimately had to sell it because the motor mounts needed replacing and it was two grand. And, yeah. you know, people yeah. were finding the saw. They were going with, like, Ford truck motor mounts that were similar and had similar bolt patterns mm. that they could get mm. away with. But, you know, then you start getting away from original parts, and that's no good. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. yeah, the 928 was my first Porsche. It actually is what – it's the car that got me into loving Porsches. And here I'm a it, Porsche it lover. It gave you the disease. Yeah. Without actually driving 911s. It wasn't a 911 that got me into this. It was that 928 because it was, mm -hmm. it was this just – it crush the road it was like the german corvette it really was yeah if you have a chance to drive one i highly suggest it it is so different they're they're such great cars and you do see more high cool. mileage but yeah i bought mine for 19.5 with fifty-four thousand yeah. on it and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome car cool car but i just yeah the the independent dealers saw me coming and went ha ha my boat payment for the month is paid for yeah. because he needs yeah, an oil change. Seriously. And that's what Absolutely. made me start doing my own oil changes. I'm thinking, ooh, Porsche complicated. No, not that complicated. No. A bolt. No, not at all. Drain, yeah, yeah. oil, yeah, yeah. done. But yeah, yeah you I were totally able to do it this, yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they're, they're known for high mileage, actually. But they're known for, you know, you got to put money into them. They're expensive to keep yeah. running. And that's a classic example of the, the European, the German cars – That'll do a few hundred thousand, no problem. But yeesh, but yeesh. you've got, but you've got to keep it on like an IV drip of cash. That's the thing about it. <laughs> Great it's way just, of putting it. Great you know, it's just a constant it. something. I mean, and I have to say, a couple others that I that I came across that I was intrigued by in a good sense. I saw an Acura RSX. I saw a few of those for this kind of money. 
That's interesting. I saw a few Acura TLs, the early 2000 TLs. I would buy one of those for this kind of money. I think the Acuras are just going to run. Mm. But but again, it's all back to you bought it for five grand, but what does it need? Because it's going to need something. So brace, <laughs> just brace yourself for that. doesn't mean don't do it, but it just means go in with your eyes open and consider how you need to budget this. I mean, I feel like I, I could probably keep talking about this for another half hour, but maybe we should do some Facebook questions. We should. This is shaping <laughs> up to be a long podcast. But yeah, this is uh, – ooh, how about a Jaguar XJ – Vandenpla, 80,000 miles for only six grand. No. Yeah. Run away. Well, oh my 2006 gosh. Jaguar X-Type. Remember the <laughs> X-Type that was out for five minutes? <laughs> oh, yeah. I knew some people. I knew some people that had brand new X-Types, brand new ones that couldn't keep them out of the shop. So oh. here's one with 120,000 miles for $4,600. No, thank you. Not going to oh happen. And the interior on this car is abysmal, by the way. Forget whether it's new or used. It's just nasty. So <laughs> the X-Type oh for 120, I don't care that it's only 10 years old. Run away quickly. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, you've uh, actually heard our opinions about uh, the $5,000 car. We hope you have learned a lesson. I, I certainly have. Actually, it was very educational as to what's out there. But um, yikes. We should, uh, we should definitely move on to the Facebook section here because we have gotten inundated again mm-hmm. yeah which is great uh, man what stuck out there's actually a couple people who had two similar questions each one was about uh importing 25 year old and older enthusiast cars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um the other was driving music two people asked jason and gavin asked about music so let's start there favorite song driving music but or best driving song i Gosh, I like uh, I like a huge variety of stuff, a lot of uh, just ambient and house. But I love jazz. I love Diana Krall. But depending on my mood, you know, and depending on the car, I just I like Van Halen, and uh, the song feels so good from their from their 1988 album OU812 is feels so good. If you just crank that, I. Yeah, that's that's my best driving song for right now. That's mine. That's funny. Well, I mean, you're, you're speaking to the fact that, yeah, variety is massive. I mean, that's one of the things I love so much about streaming music services is you can have, like, I use Pandora, and you can have all the different stations and jump based on mood. I am very mood-based, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it really depends. But the hard driving stuff, I mean, I love the ACDCs of the world. Uh, there's a couple of tracks that I have that are actually ACDC covers that I actually <laughs> nice. like better than the originals, which is shocking But because uh, the, the original stuff's great. But you know, ACDC stuff, uh, uh, let's think. I'm not thinking of this well. Um, oh, man, why can't I think of that band? Oh, Rage Against the Machine. Awesome, oh, yeah. awesome driving stuff. Uh, I, I was thinking today because it came across my iPod and I was like, yeah, we're turning this up. Uh, total guilty pleasure, Kid Rock. Just total guilty pleasure, <laughs> as far as and I. And it's one of those things where it's on my. It's like buried on my iPod, and it's buried on some of my like driving playlists. And I don't think about the song, and then it comes on like I did today, and I'm like, Yeah, I think so. I totally so, I mean, have it's those just guilty random. pleasures. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's random stuff. I mean, yeah, it, it was Cowboy. Cowboy. Cowboy came on earlier today, and it's a song I haven't heard in a long time, and it was in my playlist, and I went. I th- I think so. I think this works. Crank you know, it. So, uh, you know, but, but, but at the same time, you know, I've got other music that's just more, much more, I agree with you, much more kind of ambient kind of stuff or very mellow stuff depending upon mood. I mean, I'm certainly not thrashing stuff while trying to navigate traffic. That's, that's counterproductive. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, I also listen to a lot of audiobooks and I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I find at least driving wise, my driving uh, music moments are kind of few and far between because sometimes also... I'll just turn it all off and just listen to what the car is doing. So I am that guy too. Yeah, I've done that. Uh, well, I didn't touch the radio on my other Cayman, and this one I haven't even programmed it yet. I haven't even bothered. Just the popcorn <laughs> sure works. on the overrun is just so awesome. Just it's so cool. Well, anyway. the GT350, I, as far oh, as I yeah. know, that stereo worked. And most of the time, <laughs> right. we turn them on at some point. Right, right. You know, we're trying the car. We turn all that on. I, I, I literally, I did not touch the center console except for the start-stop and the sport button. The rest of the center console may have well have launched missiles as far as I was concerned because I never touched any of it. <laughs> You're like, but we're driving right now. I don't care what it does. We're driving. Exactly. It doesn't matter. That's it's awesome. just listen to that car. Oh, my gosh. How funny. 
All right. Uh, so two other folks asked about these enthusiast cars. I'm wondering if that's uh, something people are talking about. The importing about. stuff? The importing stuff because, uh, um, one, Jesse Stamper is asking about resources to, to start learning the process, how to start doing this. And uh, Marcos, Marcos Vargas is asking about various vehicle importers now offering things like the Skyline R32, so early Nissan Skylines that are California legal, they'll pass the emissions test, but still you're looking at 30 grand or more for this, you know, this sports car that was awesome then, and everybody freaks mm -hmm. out when it's a Skyline, and well, yeah, it's got 300 or more horsepower, but for the same or less money, look at all the brilliant cars we've got that are new, Focuses mm -hmm. and Golf R's and WRX's and you know all those cars. So you mm -hmm. you really have to love that car, Marcos. I mean, it's just gotta you want it because you do, and you, it mm -hmm. just you know plucks your heartstrings. Buying that over and spending your money over, you know, if we're just comparing apples to apples and and driving and horsepower and well and that feeling, you just and just you're gonna you're gonna wind up you're gonna wind up right hand drive. Sure. So, sure. You, you know, you, you're in that situation where I mean, you know, like Matt Farah has his Skyline, you know, and it's, he he right. likes driving it. It's a special occasion car. If you have the money to do that, I think it, and because it, it just intrigues you, it can be like you know the forbidden fruit thing. Great, awesome. And there are you, you just need to Google it because I mean I'm actually on one site now that's just importavehicle.com, but there's tons of sites I've been on before that some of them specialize in exactly this. There are multiple sites that have you can actually get on their sites and they just have listings like any other normal car site. But the, what they're doing is they're importing those cars for you. The thing I find amazing is just how expensive these get when you want a nice one or you want a specific one. They can get wickedly expensive just to get over here and get in your hands. And then some of those same sites, though, you can then buy and resell the car once it's over here and sometimes get a little bit better deal. But I think Paul's on to something, and it just, just has to be a car that you can't resist. You have to have it right. because you are making some sacrifices in both what it costs and then, of course, if it's right-hand drive and these kind of things. That certainly complicates your life. Yeah, why do teenage boys freak out about Nissan Skylines? And you're going like, hey, new Golf R, faster, better, warranty. It's well-built. Gran, Gran Turismo. You Gran know. Turismo is what yeah, it is. That's probably. what's doing it. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I mean – you know, the, the, that that game almost single-handedly created a whole world. I mean, back to Tom, you know, at the top of the podcast, driving stuff we can't get. The Gran Turismo franchise created a bunch of fanboys, and myself included, for stuff we just can't get here. Mm -hmm. And we go, oh, yeah. I want to drive that car. It's the forbidden and fruit. It's You're interesting. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it is. Huh. Jesse, uh, to your question about importing and trying to get into the business, we never have really jumped into that. Uh, I don't know that we have any necessarily any resources. Matt Farah might be one to try to, to uh, mm -hmm. see if he might reply to a Facebook message as well because he just bought the Skyline, as we mentioned. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. wondering if that would involve some travel on your part to go to Japan and start looking around at what's available and then start, you know, of course, researching what cars would the U.S. allow, what are the rules and regulations. I would mm -hmm. think it takes some research to begin with because I would imagine any business that's engaged in that really has to tiptoe through those rule books carefully to meet those yeah. requirements. Maybe you're just doing one car at a time. Maybe it's, hey, I'm buying it. I followed all the rules, but now I'm selling it over here. So what are the rules that dictate me selling it to somebody? Well, boom, suddenly you're in business. I mean, if you're just you know following rules and doing start with one – and see what that process is like. That's going to help you learn. Okay, what if I did two next time? And you know, maybe I traveled over to Japan or somewhere like that yeah. to, to start looking for these particular cars that you want to import. Start, you know, start looking for them. I, I don't know. I mean, I I, don't, I know there's not necessarily a rule book, but but uh, or, a, or a oh, I'm sure there's a rule guide, book. I have no doubt a guidelines, a, a set of guidelines. But, uh, how? Yeah, there's rule books, but I guess a set of there's, guidelines. Is there's what not I meant. there's not an easy there's not an easy pamphlet somewhere. There's, there's but no I, style. But we guy. also have. <laughs> there you go. It's a mood board, Paul. It's a mood board it's a mood for board. important cars. Try to speak your speak your language. Everybody but, loves you know, the we mood also board. have the. 
Awesome. We also have the Canadian uh, variable here. I mean, there's stuff that, mm-hmm. that winds up in Canada or vice versa. that winds up in the U.S. that's not in Canada. You know, there, there's that scenario as well. I mean, this is a rabbit hole that we just don't know much about. We should talk to our friend Aaron. Uh, I mean, sorry, not, not Aaron, Adam. We should talk to Adam about Adam. this because I bet that's he would be really call. intriguing to have on and talk about because he does consignment all kinds of things. And he's a great guy. We should maybe have him on. We should at least talk to him about this because he probably knows how to tackle this animal. He is um, the guy. Because it's just it's just not our world. But there are I mean, I do think it's a nostalgia thing. It's the same thing that drives guys to you know, it's the same thing that drives guys to buy some, you know, nineteen mid sixty uh hot rod that got away for hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's that same concept in our generation that's having us want to buy twenty five year old Japanese cars we never got. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Uh, he would be the guy that would know. He would, or have some, yeah, we should, some resources. We should, talk, we should talk to Adam. He would be he would be really interesting in this discussion for sure. Yeah, yeah. You guys would like hearing him. You know what he's what he's doing, buying and selling it. And it's not just exotics either. I mean, it's you know it's Odyssey minivans and he can know, chase everything. Yeah, he's great at it. Sourcing at cars it. as well. You know, you're looking for a particular something. He's sourcing sourcing them too. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I. I'm wondering, since we know we're going to be buried in Facebook questions uh, next Tuesday that are nothing to do with cars, and we are well over an hour now, if maybe we should just call it. What do you think? I think we can call <laughs> it. We, we should get back to a few of these, but uh, we'll save them for future podcasts. How about that? Well, there's some good ones in Sounds here. Sounds like a plan. There's actually some mm-hmm. good ones. Um, I liked the music question. That was cool. I don't think we've been asked that before. But uh, yes, as Todd said, next podcast is number 100. So remember, post them up on Facebook. They are all non-car related, so I'm I'm concerned. I'm worried. It's and we'll be, we'll post we'll yikes. post early Monday asking for them, just yeah, so you're aware. Yeah. We'll post early Monday asking for them. So don't just post send us them randomly. We want to try to get them in a funnel, so to speak. So we'll post early early Monday asking for them. That night we'll record and uh, we'll all take cover uh, and see what the <laughs> what the questions are. Thank you guys for listening. If you if you haven't rated yet, please rate on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening. Uh, and also, of course, you can listen directly from Shout Engine. Chris Hayes over there has been great to us, so we appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thanks for accepting and and pulling Tom into the group. We love that, and there will be more from him and lots more from us, of course, on YouTube. We've got a. Vanderhall Laguna, look that one up. That's coming Ooh, up soon. Yes, uh, that yes. that'll be a very interesting video, just because it's so odd, uh, very <laughs> unique. That's coming up, and we are just today starting to do official plans for this year's feature film. Can't tell you what it is yet, but but stuff was starting to line up today, so that's pretty cool. This has been a huge day with all these it things has. that we've dropped. Holy moly! All right, yeah, adventures check out tab. that adventures tab. Definitely, definitely. That, that'll be uh, that'll that'll be a answer more of your questions and mostly all of them. Uh, But in the meantime, (laughs) cheers, guys. Thanks for listening and watching. Talk to you next week.